Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Ben Pakulski. As always, this podcast is framed around living your greatest life in a body that you love. And I want to ask you a question. Where do you get your beliefs? The things that you believe to be true about the world are often inflicted on us from places that we don't think about, such as our parents, such as the books that we read, such as the people we encounter, and ultimately what was necessary to keep us alive, get us love throughout our life, get us attention, positive and negative. And our belief systems are something that I encourage you and I encourage myself to challenge every single day. And today's podcast is with one of the most brilliant men I've ever talked to in my entire life. And you guys know I get to talk to a lot of brilliant people. Ian Mitchell is a biochemist from Oklahoma who has been studying a molecule for the last seven years. And this molecule is absolutely revolutionizing the energy space, the health space, and cancer space. And when I say energy, I mean literally cellular energy, ATP production. He's combining this ingredient with other synergistic ingredients that have been shown to improve the efficacy in decreasing cancer growth, increasing ATP production, and also showing massive positive implications when combined with things like cannabis. Super interesting conversation that you're going to love with Ian Mitchell on the product you've likely never heard of, but you absolutely will in years to come and after today called Carbon 60. So Ian's been studying this on pets, now shifted his research into animals as far as its ability to decrease joint pain inflammation, uh, decrease cancer growth, uh, and improve energy production in the body. And I don't want to say too much more because he does a way better job of describing his life's passion and research on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy the rest of this podcast with Ian Mitchell. And if you do, as always, listen right to the end, because we've got some really great information to share with you. Enjoy the show. Yeah, we'll just get rolling here and uh, talk about like what's, what's actually happening in inside the human body. We consume this stuff and what are like all the potential implications are vast. Uh, they are yeah so what's happening okay so the the fundamental idea is um that you can use not in the capacity that we primarily use it because we're using it really as more of an anti-inflammatory and as a buffering system things like that but the the fundamental mechanism is working as an antioxidant inside the cell so Prior to uh, 2012, when a report came out um, from Fathi Musa showing that uh, they had doubled or almost doubled, they got a 90% extension in, in the uh, median lifespan of rats. Uh, everyone thought that it was C60 as a whole wasn't really a subject that or a, a compound that would be applicable to human bodies or animal bodies. After that, they realized you know if you combine it with a lipid, then you can get it into the cells. And so the NIH did some study on it as well. And what they found was when it's bound to a lipid, it moves through the outer cell membrane and then it goes to the inside and then the lipid and the C60 cleave apart and you're left with the C60 embedding at the mitochondrial membrane. There's a, a gradient differential in the charge. And so it pulls towards the mitochondrial membrane and embeds at the membrane. And so what you have normally in the mitochondria is you've got a lot of system loss due to reactive oxygen species. And because this is a tremendously strong antioxidant, it negates the detriment that you get from reactive oxygen species. So you can look at it a couple of different ways. In the test that we've done after we've modified 
a little bit further or modified the C60 a little bit further, not just having lipids, we found that we were able to get an ATP boost of 58.3%. And that was substantial, but the odd part of it in terms of mechanism of action was it isn't really that we're upping the ATP, it's that we're dropping system loss. So it's really, you know, you're not adding more water to the bucket, you're just not losing any. So we've plugged all the holes. What dose was that? Um, that's, um, it's actually, that was the basis for the, uh, it was, it's about, um, two for somebody, how much do you weigh? 260? 260. Okay. So for somebody your size, it's going to be at, at the serum, the normal serum that we have, which is at 1.0 mix per mil. It's going to be about a tablespoon a day for somebody your size. And you and I are about the same body mass. So how does that start going, <clears throat> excuse me, going down the path of, um, becoming an anti-metastatic or an anti-inflammatory to uh, joints and tendons? Well, okay, I'll start with the, uh, the joint supplement. So with the joint supplement, the idea, once you know that you've defined a really good antioxidant, you can eliminate oxidative stress at the mitochondria, then you have to figure out what else is going on. So in the case of our joint supplement, we combine it with other compounds, and we found that normally, um, if you take something like ceratiopeptidase, which is a proteolytic enzyme that eats sclerotic tissue, so it's from silkworms, and silkworms, so, it, silkworms produce cereti E15 so that they can break down their cocoons and emerge from chrysalis. And oddly enough, and of great benefit to us, uh, silkworm cocoon is really, really similar structurally to human scar tissue and mammalian scar tissue as a whole. So we included that into the compound and, and set it up in such a way that it would be buffered in the serum. And so it actually goes through and we showed via Western blot analysis and a couple of other different tests that we could bypass stomach acid and bypass heat. So normally it breaks down and doesn't get through your GI tract and you don't end up with enough of it active in your body to really do much. Uh, in Japan, it was actually listed as a drug for about 30 years, and then they downgraded it to a supplement because they found that not enough was actually getting through in the bloodstream to really do a, a, a really good job, and it didn't have as, not, as much efficacy as they thought it should. Um, but what we did boosted that back up. So we're using a, you know an older compound, but in a way that we're actually being able to get it through. So in the case of our joint supplement, somebody takes the joint supplement, uh, or a dog takes a joint supplement or a horse or it, it, pretty much any mammalian structure we've seen it work on. So it, it goes in, bypasses the, uh, the GI tract and degradation there. And then what happens is the antioxidants drop the level of inflammation systemically. So we measured it with cytokines mm -hmm. so for inflammatory markers in the blood. So the inflammatory markers drop. And then that allows the spots that are real problem issues to still have a signal molecule showing that there's a bit of inflammation. So then the uh, seropeptase in this case, as one of the components, would find its way to those areas inside the joints where there was a buildup of sclerotic tissue and it would eat it. So it digests the sclerotic tissue and then it goes into the lymph system and just perfuses out and, and you excrete it out. And so every time people would take a dose, their joints would get mechanically better and better and better because you're actually removing the damaged media from the inside of the joint. So every single dose, you're moving more effectively. And then the other compounds help to build the system back up. So and there's some really good papers showing that uh, you can actually get a proliferation of um, your tendons and your ligaments uh, as a whole. It's Again, it's just it's a 
it's a great compound. I mean, it really has some good benefits. What duration were you taking the C60 to see the um, decreased inflammation, the cytokines? Well, we did a, an entire time point testing, right? So we were looking at the pharmacokinetics of the thing to see what the ratios were. And then we looked at the same kind of ratios to see, like, what, what are the breakdown points against, against time constraints? And what was peculiar to me was between two and four hours, cytokines plummeted. They mm. just dropped off precipitously, which was surprising. I would have thought that it would have taken a, a fair amount of time, but it was really, really sudden. Very interesting. So it's not even a long-term thing. It's an acute, like, almost immediate Almost immediate, yeah. So then administration multiple times a day would be the best route? Uh, in a perfect world, yeah. If you did it twice a day, I think you'd be golden. Um, for me, I do it at least twice a day. But I'm, you know, I'm going for a, a slightly different effect. I mean, my joints seem to be pretty much fine and ducky. But I really want to make sure that I'm buffering myself against a lot of, you know, just the typical run-of-the-mill damage that you see in a day. Yeah, how'd this work for someone looking to um, ultimately achieve an exercise response? So obviously we know that the inflammatory response is necessary, the antioxidant response is necessary. Sure. Would I want to avoid it within four to six hours after a workout, or would it be the type of thing that you would feel wouldn't necessarily negatively impact those things? It's kind of peculiar in that it's a, it's a Janus mediator of sorts, and that's, you know, from the Greek god Janus with two faces, right? So it has, it's kind of like, um, uh, I've seen a lot of data as of late on hydrogen, um, diatomic hydrogen, mm -hmm. I believe, and it's, uh, it's, it's similar in that it's a selective mediator. So it can, it can work in both instances, kind of pro and against. Um, I don't know that my experience has been it eliminates second day soreness to a great degree if I'm working out. So I don't know that you see the same sorts of in an athletic system sort, sort of gains that you would normally because it does definitely buffer that. And I think that is probably uh, worthy of a bit more study. I can tell you just from my own personal experience that second day soreness goes away. Uh, one of the things that's a little confounding is your muscles you're able to activate more of your skeletal muscle so when you signal when you signal normally use calcium potassium or phosphorus to do cellular signaling right and mm -hmm. so those cell signals can be bypassed by c60 there was a, a good russian paper uh on the the term is super precipitation of skeletal muscle actomycin and it's uh basically showed that depending on the concentration it was a very dose dependent function uh, you could stimulate a huge percentage of your muscle fibers because normally your body is down regulating everything. So if you if you give yourself a signal to lift something to move your muscles, you're going to use 25 to 30 percent of your muscle fibers. Right. And despite, you know, the amount of sarcomeres you have, you're not going to engage that many because if you engage them all, there's a high likelihood that you'll shear something or rip a tendon, pull a ligament. Um, unless it's a fight or flight response. Now, the downside is this, you can actually super precipitate past that point. So if you don't know what you're doing and you're not actually controlling for it, if you take a tremendous amount of C60, you can actually overstimulate your muscle fibers. Now you mentioned that to me before. So <laughs> obviously you got my, you piqued my curiosity, you got my attention. I'm curious yeah. to know, so if one milligram per mil per day is my average dose, what would, what would be my dose for super precipitation? Because uh, you know I'm going to be the test dummy. You know, well, I've already been, and I will caution you. Uh, it's kind of cool because at first you'll be able to do, you'll be able to move a lot more weight than you thought was normally possible. Mm -hmm. um, but you really do have to uh, have to very consciously 
not try to move too much because you'll, uh, in my case, I pulled the hamstring twice. Huh. I jerked the muscles in my lower back. Uh, and it was, it was fantastic at first. You know, I was out playing ball with my son and he threw a baseball and I cracked it. It, it looked like something out of a, you know, a movie where it just went hurtling off in the distance. And I thought, Oh my God, that's fantastic. And I asked him to do it again. And I thought, okay, this time I'm going to just go full bore. And when I went as hard as I could, Every every muscle activated and I just ripped the muscles in my lower back and it was it was a great swing and I it was at that moment that I realized oh I I bet this is why I pulled my hamstring recently and so it it took the uh, it was actually the third time because I had zapped my hamstring twice and my back was the third so the third time when I was laying on the ground writhing around I started laughing because I realized ha super precipitation I remember the paper so I had to kind of back off from that so. I would caution you, I'd say three tablespoons a day, four tablespoons a day for somebody your size. Um, it'll certainly work. It's kind of cool to check out, but just, uh, well, you know. I'm curious, I'm curious right. if that's a population dependent thing, like where if, if my, if the average efficiency per person per contraction is 20 to 30%, myself having been training for 20 years is likely to be very significantly higher than that already. So I'm wondering <laughs> if that's going to have an amplified effect for me or maybe not as much of an effect for someone in my population. You know, in reality, I would think it would probably have less of an effect because obviously you spend a tremendous amount of time training so that your muscles are firing when you tell them to fire, right. as opposed to me, you know, kind of the run of the mill average Joe who's who's not doing that. So it's uh, I'm still, but, I'm know, still going to try it, though. Hey, rock on. How I, many uh, days do I need to do it? before I see the super precipitation? Like, is it like a loading phase or just kind of do it for a couple yeah, days? I'd say if you, if you load it up for about 10 days, okay. just do it 10 days. And for somebody your size, I, you know, I mean, if you really want to give it a go again, uh, just be careful, but you know, four tablespoons a day for 10 days and you should, uh, you should notice a pretty pronounced difference. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have all my coaches do it and we're going to see what happens. <laughs> so we're all going to do a bottle in 10 days. And then we're all going to do a lifting competition. So we'll do like the, the first day. Yeah, we'll do the first day. We'll do like, you know, kind of setting some metrics, setting some some one RM type stuff. And then we'll come back in 10 days and see what that looks like. And that would be a fantastic data set. I yeah, then I'll send you the data. Okay, terrific. Uh, very, very cool. Yeah, we'll do it for sure. I've got enough bottles here for my coaches. So I'll, I'll start passing them out literally today. We'll do our first <laughs> testing day tomorrow and I'll let you know in 10 days. Okay, that yeah. sounds great. See how that goes. Uh, so going down the path of the anti-metastatic then, um, you know, that when, when we make that claim, it seems like everyone's chasing that end result, right? It, everyone in the world is like, oh, this is going to do this for cancer. It's going to do that. It's a ketogenic diet or it's hydrogen or it's all these other things that are potentially claimed to have these massive implications. Now, you've actually been issued a patent as an anti-metastatic. Yeah. So, well, and we, we actually, we kept it on the download for about five years. I mean, we started working on it five years ago and we've had some, some interesting data, uh, that kind of nudged us in that direction. Um, we did a test that there was basically that study that I had alluded to before the Fati Musa study in 2012, where they did the 90% extension of lifespan. Well, we did a similar experiment. We were going for anti-inflammatory responses, but I used a type of animal called a P53 knockout. Uh, yeah. And so it's a, it's a mouse that's had the P53 tumor suppressor gene taken out. And so they have incredibly defined mortality curves. And that was one of the pluses, you know, after tens of thousands of these things, you know, pretty effectively the parameters wherein they're going to actually die. And they always die of some sort of idiopathic cancer that just spontaneously pops up. And so when we did the experiment with that, what we found that was kind of peculiar was of the mice that we used, one of them had a tumor. 
and it didn't die from the tumor. It died from a femoral hemorrhage. And so when I did the necropsy, I thought, well, this is peculiar. You know, obviously the cause of death was not related to this tumor that had popped up and it was a smallish tumor. So it wasn't really that big, but then I thought, you know, this isn't something I do every day. So the next, the next couple of mice that, that come up, I'm going to have them done, you know, by somebody that does this every day. So I had a vet that, you know, specifically focuses on doing necropsies go through and then do complete histopathology on them. And they were clear. And so it was kind of sort of an anomalous thing where, you know, normally they should have developed these, especially with the P53 gene gone, but they didn't. And that was, we had already been working a little bit on some things dealing with oncology. Uh, but that was really kind of a signal that, you know, maybe we're moving in the right direction. So then we continue to test. And just to be clear, C60 by itself, like the, the stuff that you have will not do it. In fact, uh, in the testing that we did, it, it was kind of a, a, a little bit of a curve. And I'll send you the data on it because it, it was interesting in that it held the cancers at bay for a while. Then it dropped them down a little bit. And then they came back with a vengeance. And that's because you're basically uh, culling out the cells that are susceptible to that mechanism of action. And once they're gone, they're going to come back with a vengeance. And they did. Um, the particular way that we put it together is we actually built a different molecule. It's got carbon 60 as a backbone of the molecule, but it's an entirely different molecule. And in the testing, that was interesting because from the moment uh, the animals started taking it, it completely locked down metastatic behavior. And we used some really heavy duty types of cancer, uh, pancreatic, prostate, but really like the most aggressive pancreatic cancer you can get. Uh, and it just completely locked it down, total cessation of spreading. And that's because we dropped cellular signaling because uh, in order for cancer to spread, Johns Hopkins did a paper last year and they pointed out that if you shut down interleukin-6 and interleukin-8, uh, which are just two inflammatory cytokines, you can't have cancer getting the signaling that it needs to spread. And luckily, we were already in a couple of years already and submitting for the patent and such. But their paper really did back up the same idea because we dropped the inflammatory cytokines. So we mediate the, the cancer's ability to signal that it needs to spread. So metastasis is completely inhibited instantly. Uh, and then the other thing is we upregulate the electron transfer chain and downregulate system loss in the mitochondria. So with the extra ATP, the cells come back online and your immune system comes back online a little bit more and starts fighting it. Um, but again, you can't do it just with a standard C60. It, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying that, and I know that it might, if it's, you know, a very small tumor or something like that, you might see something, but I'm always wary when people say that, because I know from, you know, actually doing it in the lab and having a bunch of animal data that it will appear that way for a while, but then it will come back with a vengeance as opposed to. The, uh, the molecule that we actually constructed, which uses a, a targeting system and it actually lets the cancer seek it out and just obliterates the stuff very rapidly. Are there, so, there certain um, internal uh, prerequisites almost or internal circumstances that need to exist for the carbon-60 to really have its effect? Like anything else, maybe a caloric deficit or lack of sugar, or a ketogenic diet or uh, anything that uh, needs to kind of coincide? 100%. Um, the ketogenic diet is one of the particulars that we put in the protocol because we noticed that if the uh, actually one of the more stark contrasts I've ever seen as long as I've been doing this stuff was when we did the trials we had a trial running and the cancer locked down it was diminishing it was dropping at 40 percent a week which is exactly what everything had shown before 
And then all of a sudden it hockey sticked straight up and, and it hockey sticked up in a span of three days. And we ended up having to sacrifice the animal. And I thought this makes no sense. So I, I called the woman who was proctoring the trials and said, look, something has obviously changed. What's going on? And she assured me that nothing had changed. And I said, well, you know, the numbers don't lie. Something had to fundamentally shift. So we went through all the records and eventually she found that they had run out of the special ketogenic food for the protocol. So the lab tech had substituted in regular mouse chow, which is just, you know, standard American diet as if somebody went to McDonald's and literally in a matter of days, it just spiked up, um, you know, and, it, and it's it, Standard American diet is pretty harmful uh, as it is. You know, there was just a, a biochem professor who's been working on the project with me, sent me an article last Friday. Uh, another research group has very definitively showed there's a link, a very causal link between high fructose corn syrup consumption and tumor growth, which is, is not shocking at all. In fact, you know, in our patent, which is uh, soon to be published, uh, you can actually see the way we did it. And we used one of those mechanisms to get the cancer to suck it in because if there are 21 different sugars that have uh, C6H12O6 as the molecular formula, but 100% of the time, it's going to go for fructose. So if it, if it has access to it, which is a little frightening if you think of the standard American diet. Loaded with fructose. Yes. Interesting. Now, so then that brings up the question, have you seen any negative implications of C60 maybe accelerating cancer growth if someone is on this standard American diet or something isn't uh, adhering to your prerequisite um, internal realities, internal um, prescriptions? I think if you were just doing a standard C60 and you did that with the intent of trying to inhibit a cancer, it would not be a smart move. Yeah, I think, it. You again, you'd see a short-term benefit and then you'd see a, a, a dip and you'd probably think everything was going great. And then if it moves the same way that our animal models did, after that dip, it's going to spike back up. Have you seen any, have you done any data or any research on what happens when you stop? So let's say I do a six-week protocol intensive C60 to decrease all the cancer cells and improve my energy. Uh, what happens when I stop? Um, you're going to just reset you're going to go back to normal. I mean, there's, there's a period of time where it's going to stay in your system. And, you know, people used to say that the half-life was, you know, 72 hours, 92 hours. Um, I kept seeing these weird numbers pop up, like you'd think it would be 96, but it wasn't. It was somebody reported a 92-hour half-life. Uh, but the, the thing that we know is you can actually find it a couple years after the fact. So your body will actually break it down, it, it produces some enzymes that will actually cleave the C60 after about the six week mark. Um, but there's still going to be traces of it in your body. I mean, you're talking nanoparticles, right? So it's going to embed throughout your system. It like in kind, I always used to tell people the analogy of, you know, with, with cancer, trying to go into remove it surgically. Um, I know it's sort of, you know, one of the normal protocols, but that's akin to saying, we're going to drop ball bearings throughout your house and we're going to give you a backhoe. Now remove all of the ball bearings. And if you can remove all of the ball bearings with a backhoe, you're golden. And it's an impossibility. You just can't do that just literally because of the size and scale. So it's, uh, it's the same thing. Can you tell me exactly what carbon 60 is? I mean, we should have maybe started with that, but uh, I think now is a good time to explain because like you're saying, these nanoparticles and it, it's so prevalent in every one of your tissues. I'm curious if you just break down what it sure. is and, and where it came from. Okay. So um, it's been around since the Big Bang, effectively, um, but we didn't really know that 
uh, a couple of a couple of researchers, three guys, uh, all got the Nobel Prize for it. They discovered it in 1985, and they did that using they actually made it in the lab using laser ablation of graphite, and then they isolated it, and they were puzzled as to what it was. They knew that it, the, the peak was 720 for the molecular weight. So they knew that they had 60 carbon atoms, but they didn't know the shape. There, there's a couple of documentaries on it that are kind of funny. Uh, but then they brought it to a mathematician who said, you know, what you have here is a football because it's a truncated icosahedron. So it, it's literally, it's a soccer ball made out of carbon atoms. And because of that, it has a delocalized pi orbital shell and it it's able to under normal conditions, it can be an acceptor, but it can also be a donor of electrons. If stimulated the right way, as much a really strong antioxidant as it actually is, it can be a pro-oxidant if you hit it with light at specific frequency. So we, we always joke that this is contraindicated for dogs and people with internal lighting. You, would, you wouldn't necessarily want to take this if you were exposed to a tremendous amount of light at the wrong frequency. Oh, well, that's important to know because a lot of us in the biohacking space now are doing infrared light exposure. We're all getting exposed to massive amounts of blue light. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Well, okay. So infrared light, you're golden. Let's say upwards of like 600 nanometer spectral width, you're fine. So from red all the way up through infrared, you're going to be golden. And in fact, uh, we developed a hair serum um, for it was just a product to stimulate hair growth. And basically, it's the same. It's the same concept. We upregulate the mitochondrial function inside follicular cells, and it just trips the switch, and the cells go from telogen or catagen, which is you know the resting or the this the cessation phases to an antigen growth phase. And it just does that by flipping a switch inside the mitochondria. And when the cells have energy, they just start doing their job again. And I always recommend that people, if they really want to accelerate, accelerate the growth, just use red light. Uh, red light has no problem. Infrared has no problem. You wouldn't want to do heavy duty blue light. Um, but most people know that that's going to be something that's fundamentally toxic for cells anyway. Okay, but we're all getting exposed. Like right now, I'm standing here under like get it getting killed with blue light. Would that be a negative implication? Yeah, it could be. If you did, that's why you know the recommendations for the hair product is to put it on at night before you go to bed. Um, it's because you want the stuff to get absorbed into your cells and not be on the surface of your skin. There, mm -hmm. there are actually oddly a lot of cosmetics that use C60 uh, as a day sort of cream, which is perplexing to me because that's really uh, not the best idea ever. As a night cream, it's perfectly fine, but you wouldn't want to put it on your skin. And what what type of negative effect would they see? Or uh, they wouldn't actually see it, but what's going to happen is it's going to cause aging on a cellular level because you're, you're going to be breaking down the membranes. And um, it's, it's just if you're adding, you'd be adding, literally adding oxidative stress to your system. And your body's aging perfectly well. We all have to fight against it anyway, you know, on its own. There, there are enough stressors and environmental toxins that we really don't need to add to it. So, Have you guys looked at ways of manipulating the chemical structure to prevent that type of situation? Because it seems like we're all insidiously kind of uh, exposed to this stuff. Um, well, manipulating the chemical structure to stop it from having the same effect with light? Yeah. No, we haven't actually. Uh, if, if anything, quite the opposite. Uh, we've been looking at ways to exacerbate it because there's there's a lot of conditions that you can use sort of the same way we did with the anti-metastatic as a targeting system mm -hmm. to get it to cancerous cells. Um, you can use for PDT, which is photodynamic therapies, you can actually stimulate it and get it to pump out singlet oxygen. And basically, it's kind of like intracellular hydrogen peroxide. It will just oxidize and eat the cells that it's adjacent to. 
So we, we haven't actually looked at any ways to inhibit it. If anything, we've been looking at ways to try and, you know, enhance that. Wow, fascinating. What are you guys working on? Is there something else in the realm of Carbon60 that you're kind of focusing on in the next coming months and years or just a matter of like scaling this? No, I think uh, I think really the idea is going to be to um, develop a couple of different pharmaceuticals that we can get out so that it gets a bit more mainstream exposure and so that people understand what it is. Right now, again, you know, it's the realm of the tinfoil hat and it's it's very new and admittedly, before I had actually started working with it and seeing what happens and having a lot of clinical data and, you know, we've done two clinical trials and having a ton of lab data and animal trials uh, in the lab. Before I had seen what it actually does, it would have been a big pill to swallow. I mean, I always tell people that it's the best thing that I've seen so far in terms of anti-aging and cellular health. Not to say it's the be-all end-all because I'm sure it's not, you know, probably in 15, 20 years, somebody will find some other molecule that does just as much and perhaps more. Uh, but in terms of the things that we've seen, this is great. So the idea is just to continue getting this out and trying to permeate the market as a whole, because there's there's not much market penetration for the average person. If you ask most people what carbon 60 is, they have no idea. I've actually had people confuse it with cobalt 60, the radioactive isotope, um, <laughs> which if people think you're taking cobalt 60, they look at you kind of uh, in a peculiar fashion. Wow. Um, so now the first time we talked, we spoke a little bit about the combination of carbon 60 and cannabis. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about the possible uh, positive implications there? Yeah, there are a whole lot of benefits. Um, you're, you're working on different parts of the system. And so you end up with both, both of those things like uh, the endocannabinoid system. If you can stimulate different receptors like EC1, EC2 receptors, you end up with different effects physiologically. And a, a lot of times with um, chemotherapy drugs and some other things, you have to really buffer it the right way if you're playing with C60. Otherwise, the C60 will recognize uh, some of those agents as acute toxic threats and will actually neutralize them and just take them out of your system. Uh, things like CBD and uh, Delta 9 THC, they don't seem to have the same effect with it because they're working on different systems. So you can actually end up with kind of this potentiated effect where it's, uh, you know, it's more is in fact better in those cases as, as opposed to a lot of uh, a lot of the compounds that we've dealt with where I really think you're better off if you scale back uh, with regards to those they they do have a synergistic effect and it, it works to both take out inflammation and upregulate your cells so you, so you said more is better would that kind of be across the board with carbon 60 or is there a point of diminishing returns I know we talked about some you know the the four doses a day like if I decided to take 10 any you know what I've done it so, I mean, I was actually the first guinea pig seven years ago or so when I started taking the stuff, I took ridiculous quantities. I mean, I knew the safety profile. And I mean, if you went to the hospital and you had some sort of acute toxic attack uh, or had been exposed to a poison, they'd give you activated charcoal. Mm -hmm. And activated charcoal is just a, it's a type of carbon where they puff it out either electrically or with, you know, heated gas to expand the surface volume so that it has my more binding area. Well, carbon 60 has a much more expanded binding volume. So it, it, deals with those toxic attacks like that. So safety profile in our clinical trials, if, if you could end up with something with a negative uh, toxicity index, this would have been it. It was unbelievable. We, we couldn't find an acute dosage. Um, even, you know, we did five, 10, 20 times the dosage and couldn't find anything. And I've seen animals that have gone up, uh, you know, over a hundred times the dosage with no toxic effects. As long as they stay out of blue light. 
Yeah, as long as long as they stay out of blue light, right? Don't play with blue laser pointers and <laughs> uh, yeah, collimated blue light would be lame. Uh, but no, it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I think the uh, the real downside there is you have to bind it to a lipid in order to get it into your system because normally it's hydrophobic, so it won't bind an aqueous solution. And but luckily for us, it's lipophilic, so we can get it to bind to fats and then get it into your system. The the problem is. Um, you'd have to take so much oil to get it into your system that unless you're, you know, just a super keto champ, you've been on a ketogenic diet forever and you're very, very much in that, in that zone, um, it would overload you with, with different fats. I know I've asked you this before, but I'd like to ask it again. It's like, do you just take this every day and do you plan on taking it every day for the rest of your life? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, but I, I still think there's actually a little bit to a hormetic stress response because your, your body is a really brilliantly, as you obviously know very well, it's a brilliantly dynamic system. And it, you can't train the same way every day. Otherwise, you won't get the same benefit. So uh, like in kind, your body needs that hormetic stress response. So I'll take it for a week, then stop for a day, take it for three days, stop for two days. I literally just try and switch it up. Now the dosing that I do is much higher than the average person probably. But yeah, I do plan on taking it forever. I, I've just seen too many benefits not to. Would you feed it to your kids? Uh, no, I don't actually. Um, uh, my daughter is a ballerina and uh, she damaged her knee a couple months ago. So after that, I gave her some just to take out the acute inflammation. Um, but e even on a consistent basis, I don't give it to him. And the reason there is I've, I've only seen two studies to date with uh, different effects where they were looking at genotoxicity to see if there are any different effects down the road. And there weren't. Uh, if anything, it actually appeared that they were better. But I'm always a little bit concerned about stuff like that. And I'd rather err on the side of caution and wait until, you know, the data is really in. I mean, at this point, we've got thousands of data points where we can see what what is actually happening inside a system and where it's helping with different people and animals. But I don't have any data that I really feel is definitive enough or there are enough data points to say, yeah, sure, give it to kids. Um, I'm always a, a little bit more reluctant and I'd rather be uh, a little cautious. Yeah. You giving it to your parents? Oh yeah. Yeah. As much as they will take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that says a lot though. I think that's an important, uh, you know, thing to acknowledge as, as someone gets older, that's probably the most targeted demographic for you is people who at some point become aware of their own mortality. And for, for some of yeah. us younger than, than others. <laughs> uh, but at some point we realize, Hey, we're not gonna live forever. Let's start taking care of ourselves. Well, it's the quality of life thing. That's actually, that's the biggest impetus for me giving it to him. I, I know with my partner, Dan, he's in his 70s now and he's in, closing around his mid-70s. And when we started, he had had rheumatic fever as a kid. He grew up in Morocco and he had rheumatic fever as a kid. So he actually had really very bad pronounced uh, rheumatoid arthritis and his hands were gnarled and swollen and he couldn't close, you know, he couldn't individually articulate his fingers. Um you know, to the point where I would make jokes about crab claws, which prob probably in retrospect wasn't the nicest <laughs> thing. Uh, but after he started taking it, you know, a couple months in, all the redness went away. He got, you know, mobility back in his hands. And the same thing with my dog who was, you know, I was guinea pig one. My dog was the second guinea pig. Um, and I did it with him because he was having such a problem. He would, you know, he would always try and get up on the bed with me and he'd put his front paws up and have to pull himself up. And then when he'd get down, he'd put his paws on the ground and literally pull himself forward until his hind legs would hit the ground. And it was totally depressing. So after he started taking this, literally in the span of less than two weeks, he was running and jumping on the bed again. Wow. 
wow, this is awesome. And it's actually, that's one of the best things is when you see an animal, because there's no placebo effect, there's no question of, you know, whether or not it's working. Sure. It either is or is not. And in my dog, Blaze, in Blaze's case, it was great because he went from being, you know, a, a hobbled a bit to, yeah, I'd say easily it pushed him back, you know, like two and a half years in terms of his performance. And he'd run, jump off of the bed, turn around, jump off the bed. It was fantastic. Wow. So, yeah. Any ongoing studies right now for carbon 60? Uh, we're in the middle of doing uh, some anti-metastatic trials uh, with the cancer therapeutic, um, and that's going pretty well. Uh, we actually, we just stopped a round of it and haven't started up the next round because we're trying to get the diet just right. And we actually know what the macros are and what it needs to be, but it's it's proven to be very difficult for people to really lock it in. So what we're doing is we're actually working on getting getting a dog food together for the for the animal trials right now so that we can give them the feed and say, just feed them this once a day at this specific time and then you know do the dosing against this schedule, which is, um, it, it's surprising how difficult it is. But when you tell people, you know, you've got to hit these particular macros and, it, and it's a pretty aggressive ketogenic diet. Um, I mean, for all of my family and friends with pets and themselves, if, if I hear anybody has cancer, the first thing I tell them to do is put themselves on a very restricted ketogenic diet. Because, you know, going back to the, the 20s, Otto Warburg, you, you can't feed the cancer and expect that it's not going to move. And if you don't feed it, you can definitely expect that it's going to slow down its progression. So that's, I always recommend that. What type of cancers, I know you kind of briefly mentioned this, but what type of cancers have you seen the greatest uh, effect with? Uh, the most aggressive ones in dogs, the best response was in a hemangiosarcoma, which is a really, it's a terminal cancer. There is at this point, the best therapeutics you can get are going to maybe give you three to six months. And then after that, it's, you know, effectively when you find out your dog has hemangiosarcoma, it's kind of akin to getting a pink slip. You, it's basically over. Um, pancreatic cancer, human, human lines, pancreatic cancer, it's been incredibly good. It seems that because of the mechanism of action that we're using, uh, the more aggressive the cancer, the more effective the therapeutic works. In actually reversing or just slowing it down? Um, so far in the trials reversing, um, but it, you know, it slows it down at first and locks it down. What I, what I really don't want to do is I don't want to give the idea that, you know, this is the be all end all cure for anything sure. because I, I think that, I think there's a whole lot more work that needs to be done in that regard. You know, right now we're working with, uh, ketone esters and, and different ways to, to trip the metabolism, to do specific things at specific, specific time points. Um, and so it's going to be an ongoing thing, but in terms of, just the anti-metastatic behavior, we can pretty definitively say that from the time you started, it's going to lock it down, assuming the diet's in the right place. And that's actually why we haven't started up that other round of trials is because I've seen it a, a couple of times in the past few months where people are, you know, giving their dogs what they think is the uh, the appropriate food and they, they simply miss up, you know, have a mishap on one of the macros and they'll give it too much protein and the protein will trip a process called gluconeogenesis and it'll convert the protein to carbs, right? So, or sugars and the sugars basically derail the system's ability to target two cancer cells. And you're also providing more fuel for the cancer. So if you get your protein out of whack, then it stimulates the, the growth of the cancer cells. So it's really, it's uber critical to do that. But those are the ongoing trials. Is the dose about the same for the cancer trials? No, it's actually a little bit lighter. Interesting. So, yeah, well, it's a different, you know, I mean, for the normal trials or, you know, that we did on just the, say, the, the joint supplement, 
you're trying to get it to perfuse through your entire body, right? Or the animal's entire body. Um, for this, it's a very targeted function uh, because you're only going after, you know, cancer cells. So, and, and it doesn't, it's not that difficult to isolate those things because cancers are nutrient primal. So they, they always have a couple of things. They lack contact inhibition, so they don't stop growing when they hit another organ or tissue system, which is actually what's really lethal about them is that they'll just continue to grow through other things because you don't actually die from a cancer. You die from an inhibition in some other system, right? You know, it'll, it'll cause too much pressure in your brain. It'll block out your heart. It'll you know, occlude your esophagus or something like that. Um, so you're actually dying from the secondary system failure. You're not dying from the growth of the cancer specifically. Interesting. Now, switching gears a little bit back to this uh, energy production thing, you said 58.3 increase in ATP production. Is that upon <laughs> administration or is that over a certain amount of time? And is there a diminishing effect over time? That was at a 90-minute time point. So, yeah, and there is there is a drop over time. Yeah, it's it's going to last for about a day or so, but then it's going to diminish. And, and if I know, administer again the next day, is it, am I going to see the same effect that we see like over time? Yeah, you'll you'll notice that boost. I mean, you you definitively will notice that you need to sleep less and eat less. So, I mean, the reason we eat and the reason we have respiration is all to provide energy, you know, and the components to go into the Krebs cycle. I mean, and if if you if you maximize the potential in that thing, you need fewer calories. I know so. you're an amazing thinker, and I'm curious what you're combining this with to improve brain function. Because I see, obviously, the ATP improvement uh, implications. But now, okay, well, what are we tying this with to improve how our brains work and, and ultimately efficiency? Um, actually, one of the big ones is um, just with uh, caprylic acid. Um, okay. MCT. You know, yeah, it's uh, fantastic. I mean, it's... It's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, don't don't fight what works, right? Just enhance it. So there there are a lot of things that we've done where we're taking that, we're boosting it, and getting some pretty ridiculous signals. Um, so that's one. And then just for myself personally, I do a lot of stuff with nootropics, um, but I haven't actually combined it. Other than uh, alpha GPC, so we've we've used that, but we've used that in combination with a couple other things like CBD and some other things, going for very specific effects where you're trying to enhance one component while you drop the other. I always joke that I'm, I'm kind of going for the uh, the very uh, the Zen master kind of focus where you're completely focused, you've got a tremendous amount of energy, but you're absolutely chill, mm -hmm. almost eliciting a flow state. You know, just kind of using using a healthy compound to elicit a flow state. Where do I buy that? <laughs> coming, coming to, uh, coming to a theater near you. Sure. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's actually, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we've been working on for a while and it's, it's under wraps right now, but, uh, well, I'll send you some if you, uh, <laughs> if you like, so. Well, you can sign me up as your first and probably best customer. That's the ultimate ideal, right? Like everybody's chasing the stimulated state and I'm like, I don't want to be stimulated at all. I just want to exist in my own in my own head and be able to think yeah. you know, acutely and, and uh, over time, right? Yeah, I, that's actually, that is. I mean, that's what I've been going for is it's the same thing. I mean, I was, you know, the, the reason for doing this initially was I was trying to do something and elicit a response in myself biologically. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I always say like with my partner, Dan and my dog blaze, literally, if I could have just 
helped, you know, my best friend and, and my other best friend, I would have been golden. I, I would have called that a win. I mean, the fact that we've been able to do all this other stuff and find all these neat things with it, it's terrific. But yeah, I, I'm going for the same thing. I'm, I'm scratching my own itch. And in, in this case, one of the big ones for me is how do I function more effectively and mentally? And, you know, I'm on the Cambridge Brain Sciences website, you know, testing to see what works. And I, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, uh, the locus for a lot of nerds. You know, you go there, you try and figure out what works and what doesn't. And for me personally, it's the same thing that you were alluding to. It's I want to have absolute effect with my thoughts. I don't want to waste them. And I, I don't want to be freaked out in a manic space. I want to be very chill. And I just want to have enough energy that I can roll through a day working at a peak performance level, but without the... Uh, kind of manic behavior that very often comes with people that are sure. operating. And no up. negative implications the next day, right? Because some things you feel amazing now and, and tomorrow you feel like your brain doesn't work. Yeah, we, uh, we've been working on one thing and we, uh, we were able to enhance the ATP a little bit more than just the 58.3%. In fact, not a little bit, a huge, you know, like an order of magnitude. Um, the problem is you can't really do that because at a certain point you'll, you'll have so many electrons flowing through your mitochondria that you'll actually break them. You'll tear the membranes and they'll pop like literally like popcorn. You can pop. <laughs> that's, so, that's a good marketing ploy. Like don't take too much, but your mitochondria will work so well. They'll explode. <laughs> <laughs> Warning may cause spontaneous combustion. Yeah. That's not something we want to do. And, you know, when you see, when you see that in the lab, you're kind of like, wow, that's different. So you don't, you know, you want to take it down a few notches. Cause I've heard, uh, one of the, one of the fellows that works a lot with, uh, with ketones, uh, professor Beach, yep. he alluded to the same thing one time. And I guess he had seen that in his lab was that, you know, if, if you get too much electron flow, you can actually pop those little suckers and just go off like popcorn, um, which is wow. not what you want. Yeah. So. so you mentioned you're presenting at the Bulletproof conference, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. What are you presenting on? I'm actually not going to present. I'm going out to do uh, just a, they're doing a live taping for another uh, podcast. Yep. So I'll be doing a podcast for them. Uh, I think the, the crux of this is probably going to be the anti-metastatic patent and some of the new anti-inflammatory stuff that we've done as of late. Uh, very, very cool. Ian, where can everyone find out more about your amazing wealth of information and products? Um, go to carbon60plus.com. Um, that's kind of the hub. Uh, shortly in about a month, we're, we're taking both the animal side of the house, which is livepedllc.com and carbon60plus.com, and we're coupling it all together under the uh, C360 Health banner. So it'll just be c360health.com. But that, that, I think, will go live in about a month. We're trying to consolidate because we've had so many people – they order it for their dogs, and then after they see how their dogs have, have benefited, they come back and go, we got to have this. That's actually why we started the Carbon 60 Plus is for the, the human side of the house because there was such a good response. I, I had multiple people call and say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing this. And I'd say, well, is it your dog or your horse? And they'd go, dog or horse? No, it's I'm taking it. You know, and it, which which is great because I mean, initially I took it before my dog did, so I know it works. But um, we just wanted to combine those things so people could have kind of a one-stop shop, and they wouldn't have to have things shipped from two different companies. Very cool, man. You know, you've got a fan in me, as I said, and thank you for enlightening Thanks. me with all this information because I, like I said, I was using Carbon Sixty probably for a year and a half now, but I wasn't using your version of it, so. 
Uh, I, and the effects that I see for the listeners, like massive increase in energy, and that wasn't using yours. I've you've been using yours for the last month, mm -hmm. uh, but prior to that, it was this other one. I did see an increase in energy, increase in focus, uh, mental clarity was improved for sure. Uh, but with yours, I'm noticing, um, you know, obviously being the, the meathead that I am, I probably take too much, but my I, my energy is through the roof, don't need as much caffeine. I did notice the first couple of times I took it that I almost felt like a bit of a detox effect. I don't know if that's yep. a normal effect. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, it's a, a lot of people go through that. And it really does. It, it starts to clean out your system from a pretty deep level. Yeah, so that was a, a nice little side benefit, which has subsided now and uh, continue to use it as often as I can. I haven't jumped on the hair serum, though, so when everyone sees me growing an afro, they can know what it's going to be from. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a power pick. It'll be great. Yeah, so. we're, we're going back to the 70s. We're bringing, <laughs> we're bringing back the afro. Yeah, next time we'll do this and uh, we'll both have bell bottoms on. It'll be fantastic. We should do that. will be your marketing ad right there, man. Yeah, that I'm, I'm all good with it. I'll even buy the, uh, the light blue suit. That'd there be great. Go. Perfect. Ian, thanks so much for your time and your wisdom, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Ben. Have a good one. Thanks, See ya. And that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you absolutely loved my conversation with Ian Mitchell, the owner and founder of Carbon60plus.com. Ian's credibility checks out extensively, and this ingredient checks out. I know it sounds like it's lofty, like it's far-fetched, but I'll tell you, it seems like every expert that I speak to has this on their radar, and I just happens to be kind of the forefront of research. Um, he's got tons of studies, as he mentioned, and I've been using this product myself for just over a year, and I've seen tremendous benefits just from an energy perspective. Obviously, I haven't quantified anything to do with cancer or anything like that or any of the other studies that he mentions in there, but it's from an energy perspective, I definitely feel better. I feel better men mental clarity. Um, it almost feels like you're having a cup of coffee, and that to me is valuable when you need focus and performance and recovery. So um, I haven't actually quantified it in my blood yet, um, but we'll be working on that in the near future as I hopefully uh, team up with Ian on some really interesting stuff coming at you in the future. If you love this episode or if you know someone who may benefit from Carbon60, absolutely share the episode with them. Share the website with them. I'll share that with you again. It's carbon60plus.com. You can see that in the show notes. And if you're not already subscribed to the new Muscle Intelligence podcast, head over right now to iTunes and do that. Head over to YouTube and subscribe there as well. We do post every podcast there as well as a ton of new content that's going to be coming at you in 2019 and ultimately for the rest of my life because I love what I do and I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in and giving me your time, your attention, and your focus, and, and all the amazing feedback that I get on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, I'm so grateful for all of you guys, and uh, uh, will continue to do what I do and inspire and educate as many people as I can. Have an amazing day. Live your greatest life in a body that you love. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.